0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
1: Ben Jarofsky here. Maya Dukmasova, my uh, partner in crime from the Chicago Reader, was here as she is every Tuesday. We talked about Eddie Gay, Eddie Johnson, Chicago Police Superintendent, Lori Lightfoot, Mayor Lori Lightfoot said you are fired. Was she right to do that? Was there enough evidence presented to justify firing Eddie Johnson? Was any evidence presented at all? We talk about all kinds of things. What about Eddie Johnson's record as police chief? Should he have been fired for that? Maya raises some interesting questions about Eddie Johnson's record as police chief. Lots of great conversation about Eddie Gate with Maya. And uh, we also talked about our show at the hideout tonight on affordable housing. It's our number one of the Ben Jarofsky show. Quick, go download it
2: now. Hour number two of your Ben Jarofsky show for Tuesday December 3rd is just moments away, but before we get into that, we need to thank the following unions once again for jumping on board and sponsoring our program. First up, it's the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace, not Aerosmith Workers, Local 126 and District 8, the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150, and of course, today's Ben Jarofsky Show for Tuesday, December 3rd, and Wednesday the 4th, the 5th, 6th, all those days, is brought to you by our good friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor. Hour number two, let's go. It is Tuesday, December 3rd, and live from the Chicago Sun-Times, Chicago Reader Studio on Racine Avenue, this is the Ben Jarofsky Show. In this hour of the program, we welcome Democratic 11th Congressional District candidate, Rachel Ventura. And now your host, not a Congressional District <laughs> candidate, Chicago yeah. Reader columnist,
1: Ben Jarofsky. Rachel Ventura is in the studio. We're going to be talking about all things running for Congress in the 11th District. Rachel Ventura has been sending me uh, emails for a long time, so I know that name really well. Rachel Ventura is a really cool name. Every time I say it, I'm thinking of Robin Ventura. Uh, I don't know if Rachel knows who Robin Ventura is. Okay, you know. You give
0: me at. a couple million dollars, I can try to play baseball too.
1: Okay, there she <laughs> goes. She's proving she knows who Robin Ventura. Ventura is a cool name. There's one of my favorite songs from the '70s, Rachel Ventura. I'm going to say this right now. Uh, it, oh god, it's going to be embarrassing because it's going to show that I like all oh, '70s uh, music. But uh, America's Ventura Highway. Have you ever heard Ventura Highway?
0: No, but I've driven on it.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, you've driven on it. Your Ventura Highway in. The... I'm not going to sing that song, but I love that song so much. Anyway, uh, Rachel Ventura is in the studio. We're going to talking about her run for Congress in the 11th district. Before we do that, Dee, you got an update
2: for me? A little something that Maya and I just touched on just a bit. Give Absolutely, us that I do. And hey, when I think of Rachel Ventura, I think of that pet detective Ace Ventura. Yes.
1: Yeah, so okay. How can I forget Ace? Ventura?
2: Lots of Ventura. it wasn't Jesse. <laughs> yeah. Oh. oh. Oh, very good. Minnesota. Yeah, right.
1: that's his Jesse Ventura. All right,
2: invitation. first off, we can't say it enough. Tonight, 6 30 at the Hideout, 1354 West Wabanzia. No, it's not Jesse Ventura. It's this month's first Tuesday show with the guest you just heard, Maya Duke Massaba, and our very own Ben Jarofsky. They're going to be talking all things Chicago housing. Join us, won't you? Or don't. Choice is yours. It would be great if you did. 1354 West Wabanzia at the hideout. I'll be there too. If that changes your mind at all, I don't know. Probably won't. But 1354 West Wabonzia, the hideout. First Tuesday, the second round here with uh Maya. How was the first uh first Tuesday with Excellent. Maya? Excellent.
1: Yeah? Excellent. We had Stacey Davis Gage S. D G uh, in the house. It was very. Po- oh, well, hold on. Someone's okay, calling. Okay, yeah, there you call go. Right here, at, uh, someone running for office uh,
2: is calling. <laughs> for real?
1: Wants to, yeah, so he wants to come on the show. Oh. Uh, thanks for calling me while I'm on the air. Uh, and uh, but it was great. SDG was great. Uh, Stacy Davis Gates. Place was packed. And uh, looking for uh, another uh, fun night tonight.
2: And it's as if that person who called you rudely while you're doing the show almost knew what was coming up next because yes, Illinois primary election season is underway. Mm-hmm. (laughs) Today on the program, we'll be giving those who listen a few updates on some of the Illinois races. In just moments, you'll be hearing from the uh, Democratic 11th Congressional District primary candidate, Rachel Ventura. Not Jesse Ventura, not right. Jesse Turin, not Ventura, not Ventura High,
1: now Robin Ventura, Rachel Ventura.
2: It's a conspiracy, All right? But right now, <laughs> I'd like to focus on one of these races, and that's the Cook County State's Attorney's race. Ben, you were just talking about it with Maya. Yes, the incumbent Kim Fox is running for re-election, mm-hmm. and she indeed has her primary challengers. Even got a few Republican challengers. Uh, but uh, before we left for our holiday break, we mentioned that damn near every popular Illinois Democratic politician is putting their endorsement behind Kim Fox. When well, we got. Uh, Pritzker, Lightfoot, Jan Schakowsky, a lot of them. So you'd have to be crazy at this point to throw your uh, name in this race, right? Well, enter former 2019 (laughs) mayoral candidate Bob Fioretti. That's correct. The following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times and Rachel Hinton, former second ward alderman Bob Fioretti, formally announced his bid Monday for cook County State's attorney. Fear Ready joins Democratic challengers and former prosecutors Bill Conway and Donna Moore, who are also seeking to oust Kim Fox. There are also, like I said, two Republicans vying for the spot: Pat O'Brien, a former Cook County Circuit Judge, and Christopher Oh boy!
1: Actually. I stumbled on that name Fan, too.
2: Foncuccia mm,
1: sounds good. That's to what me.
2: I'm rolling with. Funkuche, right. who ran against Fox in 2016, if you're ready, confirmed he was running to the Chicago Sun Times on November 22nd. And hey, what can you say? The guy loves running for things. All he right. Does. He previously ran for uh, for mayor in 2015, received a little over seven percent of the vote then, and in 2018 he ran for Cook County Board President against Tony Preckwinkle. Now I know you were talking about it earlier here with Maya saying uh, Kim Fox's chances look pretty good. But with this new news, Ben Jaroski, has Bob Fioretti found that winning ticket in Cook County State's attorney, or will this be another unsuccessful campaign run?
1: Well, as much as I like to say, I appreciate Bob Fioretti, the role he played, and that uh, at the tail end of Mayor Daley's. Uh, uh, tenure in office where he stood up on some issues and as much as I'd like to say uh, that I appreciate Bob Fioretti for the help he gave me and I appreciate this Bob uh, with some of my TIFF stories that I did down through the years by providing me uh, some inside documents that I didn't know about and I always will appreciate Bob Fioretti for doing that. I do not, having said all that I do not believe uh, that he will be victorious in this race I noted from what uh, the article in the Sun-Times that it's sort of like he's He's sort of running from the right, if you will, if you can imagine this, like trying to distance himself from Kim Fox by saying he stands with uh, rank and file police officers. So he's sort of repositioning himself because he had pretty much was sort of running from the left uh, when he was uh, going up against Mayor Rahm uh, and emerging from the, in the city council as an independent. So uh, I do not believe uh, that Bob Fioretti will prevail in this uh, in this primary. As I said before, I believe Kim Fox will be victorious again. You only need a plurality, ladies and gentlemen. You only—it's not like Chicago's mayors. It's—it's it's very similar. What Rachel Ventura will be up against uh, against Bill Foster in the run for the Democratic primary uh, in um, uh, in the eleventh congressional. Marie Newmans having a similar situation with Danny Lipinski down in the third. You only need a plurality. You only get to have more votes than next person. You get the nomination, you move on, and there's no way a Republican is going to defeat Kim Fox. Absolutely no way. Uh, d- whoever is running against Kim Fox will be Donald Trump's candidate. Donald Trump has made an issue of Smollett Gate. Donald Trump has helped raise the profile of this story and raise the profile of Kim Fox as a result. No way in the city of Chicago can a Donald Trump candidate, even if he's not really a Donald Trump candidate, be victorious, Kim Fox will win.
2: Bob Freddy, you hear that? Ben Jarofsky says Kim Fox is winning and huh? Prove us wrong, Bob ready <laughs> Prove us wrong.
1: I, I'm actually not so sure I want him to prove us wrong on this particular case. Well it's you know, but Kim- but you know what? Again, I'll say, it, I'll end it the way I began it. I appreciate Bob Fioretti for uh, standing up back in 2009, around there, 2011,
2: that kind of thing. All this week, we'll be uh, doing our show on Facebook Live. Right now, a question, should Eddie Johnson have been fired yesterday on the Facebook video live stream? Go weigh in, let us know your opinion, and uh, we'll try to read those results at the end of the show. Yeah, it be
1: interesting. Again, I'll just repeat before we get to Rachel Ventura. uh, Lori Lightfoot uh, made these general accusations about uh, Eddie Johnson, did not get specific. And I think a lot of Chicagoans are saying, what is on that tape? Anyway, let's move over. Uh, Let's uh, leave the city of Chicago and, uh, and discuss what's going on in the 11th Congressional District. Rachel Ventura welcome to the show.
0: Thank you Ben for having me on.
1: And uh, as I said you've been uh, uh, sending me emails for a long time. I don't even know if you were rare that you were sending me emails. Maybe I'm just on a mailing general mailing list. So let's just start by introducing who you are. Give folks a sense of who Rachel Ventura is uh, that led her to this point in her life in your life where you're running for Congress.
0: Yes I was born and raised in Joliet. to working class parents. My dad was a bridge tender. My mom was a school teacher and I went to public school. Ended up going to Benedictine University. I got a math degree, and I worked as an actuary for insurance companies first for health insurance here in Lake Forest. And uh, you know, I started to learn then the for-profit system that we have for healthcare. And after I graduated, I moved out to LA. I worked for life insurance at that point, and I started to see more of the making a profit off of people versus. They weren't always doing the right thing, let's put it that way. I was put into charge of audits to make sure that we didn't lose money and if we had to cancel policies to make sure that it happened, we did that. So I started to see the job that I was doing was really screwing Americans out of their hard-earned money. And at some of the worst times in their life when they're sick, when a loved one has died. And so I decided to leave L.A. and go back to school to get a biology degree. I did that. I worked as a pet nurse. I learned that some of the chain veterinarian clinics. Wait,
1: time out, hold it. Whoa, this is a br- break for a moment here. Uh, you were in the insurance business mm-hmm. and uh, you became disenchanted with the practices of insurance entities, insurance companies. Now they treated So biology degree that's that's going in a different direction
0: yeah so at the time i was working for the wildlife waste station out there it's a nonprofit that takes in exotic animals that people in la think they can have i you know i think i can have a white tiger i think i can have a gorilla and then they find out no they can't afford for it or the, the adequate space is not there permits aren't are given um in those cases and so these animals either need to be destroyed or put into some type of waste station zoos can't take them because they don't have the pedigree
1: we had that here in chicago i don't know if you we were paying uh, this summer there was an alligator in the Lago- humble park lagoon did you see that yeah somebody obviously had it the same situation they had a pet and it got too big mm-hmm. and they dumped it in the lagoon anyway continue with your story.
0: yeah so i was working with animals and i thought you know this is much more rewarding work than screwing people out of their hard-earned money and that's why i went back to school. Um, During that time, I ended up becoming a military spouse. And so we moved around. I did finish my biology degree, worked as a pet nurse, learned that was also a lot of the same thing, Um, preying on people's emotions to spend more money when it wasn't always necessary. Now, this is not a dig at, at veterinarian clinics across the country. I think there's a lot of good doctors out there who are into that. Uh, Feel because they love animals. Uh, but what I was seeing was a constant trend. And so when m- we moved to Georgia, and I worked for the Georgia State Parks as a naturalist, and that was the best job I've ever had. I was restoring the longleaf pine forest, working to protect the endangered gopher tortoise, and I really got involved that way into the environment, the climate. Um, but then in uh, 2012, we moved to the Seattle area. And I got involved as an activist against Monsanto. Uh, you know, I believe that we should all have access to clean food and have access to seeds. And a company, again, should not make money off of basic human rights like eating, clean water, stuff like that. That was my first dip into politics, I guess, from a um, you know an outsider. I didn't think I would ever be a politician. And in 2016, I moved back to my hometown. I left an abusive marriage, and uh, I was upset at, at the way Juliet had had become. When I left there at college, the gambling boats had come in and really beautified the the town and there was money and businesses. And when I came back, you know, the roads are destroyed. There's plastic bags in the trees, there's litter in people's yards. Um, they were trying to close down the Rialto at the time and, you know, I was complaining to my dad, who w- used to be a politician before I was born, and he said, why don't you do something about it and go get a clipboard and run for office? And I said, well, dad, that's not a wise thing. Who runs for office in the middle of a divorce? <laughs> but it, the thought wouldn't leave my mind. And two weeks later, I went down and got a petition.
1: Now, I, I give you credit for being very open about your life. Everything you just laid out, uh, you, 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 you alluded to a military marriage. My next question was going to be, what branch of the military? And then you start, and all of a sudden, I did not know this. Uh, talk about a lack of preparation for an interview. I did not know that you are in the midst of a divorce. You, you reveal that uh, from an abusive situation. As much as you are willing to talk about a personal matter, just talk about a little bit about your marriage. First of all, what branch of the military?
0: The Navy. And I love the Navy. They're great. And I met a lot of great friends and the opportunities that are presented to to military families and to service members is, you know, quite fantastic. Um, in fact, it was one of the reasons I became an advocate for Medicare for All is because. TRICARE, so the military families and recent retirees have TRICARE as their insurance, and it's basically the best universal health care we have in this country right now. They pay a payroll deductible. In most cases, you don't pay any deductible, out-of-pocket expenses. It's all paid for. So I had a high-risk pregnancy. I had twins, and I paid $36 for an elective test for each of my kids, and that is it for my entire pregnancy. How much? $36. It was $18 per test for each girl. That's it? That's all I paid. Everything else came out of the payroll deductible that is paid for for military families. So when they when Bernie started talking about Medicare for All, I was out there saying, yeah, we need something like this because we already have it for millions of Americans. People just don't know that we already have it, and it's working great. It's government-run, so it's let's absolutely just, possible.
1: I, I was going to have a whole segment on insurance and Medicare, but let's just take a moment since you mentioned this. Uh, whenever I talk about... Uh, the uh, the health care that veterans receive, my friends of the right wing persuasion, they they dismiss it. Even my friends of the Dem persuasion, capital D E M, Dems, uh, will, will tell me, oh, Ben, that's like this crummy, no, uh, lousy, nobody would go to veter- VA uh, system. Who would want that? And yeah.
0: We have two systems, and that's one of the things we should talk about. There is the VA system, and I would disagree that it's a crummy system. I mean, we've got the Heinz Hospital down in Joliet, Heinz Hospital up here, and veterans swear by it. My grandfather would not go anywhere else except for to the Heinz Clinic. So I think the VA system is good. The problem is there is a large gap between what retirees get now, which is TRICARE, and Vietnam veterans who you know, ended up with the um, VA system. And then in between... You know if you do not serve it a certain amount of time then you have to have your cases reviewed and that's the backlog of what we're seeing and so i think the stigma of government insurance doesn't work is because there wasn't the funding that was put in there right we want to talk about i mean this is a right-wing talk or point where they say oh we have to protect our military but yet we see constantly when it comes to once they're out of the military How are you providing for them? Where's the health care there? But even when people are in the military, as a military spouse, one of the things I saw is when we cut funding, like when Obama cut funding uh, during his years, it wasn't ever cut on Rayon or on, um, you know, the the military contractors, Lockheed Martin, stuff like that. It's cut on the service members. So they closed things like commissary hours so they didn't have to pay some of the cashier as they cut, um, they closed Entrances to bases so they didn't have to pay for a security guard. Stuff like that is what we saw. It wasn't, you know, a trillion dollar bomber that, you know, we could maybe cut that from line item or submarines that cost a lot of money that we're building now. Um, and so, what I'd like to see is actually we protect our military service members and make sure that we provide for them. And when we cut our funding, we're actually cutting it in the areas that we don't need them. Where where the it's the contractors who are making money. It's the war industry that's making money on it. And we need to actually shore up and make sure that we have education opportunities and healthcare. You know, being whether you serve for your four years or your 20, make sure that you're provided health care, especially if you were injured when you were in.
1: Yeah, it. Uh, what you just described sort of is, is similar to what I see in Chicago, where when they want to uh, quote unquote save money in, in the budget, they'll close a mental health clinic. Yeah. And they go, oh, we save, you know, like, I don't know, like a nickel out of a the budget of a billion dollars. Right. The and what a themselves. lot
0: of people don't know, um, or they didn't pay attention to it, but the military definitely paid attention to it. I want to say it was, oh, the year it's escaped me, it's maybe 2015, 2016, is that our Congress voted against funding pensions for all active duty and it was not grandfathering people in so if you served 18 19 years or about 4 months during that time um, and it got swept up in the when they had the budget freezes and you know the government shutdowns and stuff so during that time it was like november december the congress voted to remove pensions and not pay for them. And then four months later in February, when they went back into negotiations, that was one of the things they put back in because the military really went after Congress about that. So it's interesting when they say, oh, we protect military. Really? When were you protecting their pensions? When were you protecting their healthcare and their salaries and and some of the lifestyles that, you know, guys who go in, women who go in, those lower ranks, you know, they're really struggling. And we have a lot of systems in place to help families who are struggling while they're serving and putting their life on the line. It's, It's really a detriment. Yeah.
1: Uh, going back to what you were talking about when you gave birth to your twins, uh, it was covered by Tricare. That was the, the payment that covered it. Where, What kind of facility did you give birth in? What was the hospital like?
0: So I went to a private facility. It was a private hospital about a mile down from a military hospital. And then because I was high risk, I went to Jacksonville, Florida about mm, every two weeks to have ultrasounds done. I had a number of ultrasounds done where most women get one or two. I mean, I've got a scrapbook of them. <laughs> um, so yeah, it, and there was that that stigma again that oh you have to go to a certain doctor and and there are some rules with being in the military if you're within so many miles sure some of those things apply but by and large every but everybody my kids have seen people i saw when i was under that insurance was um was private care paid for by our government hear
1: that ladies and gentlemen (laughs) hear that ladies and gentlemen. hear that my uh friends of the republican right-wing persuasion uh, Medicare for All. It's a form of Medicare for All. You just, whatever you want to call it's it. It's in the Rachel.
0: bill, actually. The Medicare for All bill that I'm supporting is the 1384, and it's got five uh, light items of how Medicare for All will work, and one of them is TRICARE.
1: All right. Uh, so we're going to take a little deeper dive on health care issues, health insurance issues, uh, talk to uh, Rachel about what she learned uh, when she was in the belly of the beast uh, working for the insurance industry. We'll also talk about folks out there, man, hey, man, this, this sounds like a Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren type candidate i want to get i want to support her well we got to tell you where you have to live uh if you want to vote uh for rachel ventura or her opponent bill foster in the 11th district so we're going to have a much more conversation with rachel when we return
2: read the chicago reader to get up to speed on what's what in chicago culture The Ben Jaromsky Show is supported by Northwestern University's part-time master's program in literature and liberal studies. Students learn from dynamic and diverse faculty as they build advanced skills for critical analysis, writing, and research. Evening classes are held on Northwestern's Evanston and Chicago campuses. The spring quarter application deadline is January 15th. Learn more at sps.northwestern.edu slash master's.
0: Today I'm announcing that I terminated Eddie Johnson's employment as superintendent of the Chicago Police Department for cause, effective immediately. It has become clear that Mr. Johnson engaged in a series of actions that are intolerable for any leader in a position of trust, particularly the head of the Chicago Police Department.
2: Commercial break over. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from the Chicago Sun-Times. My guest in the studio, Rachel Ventura. She's running
1: for Congress as a Democrat, D E M. in the 11th Congressional District against Bill Foster. He's the incumbent, folks. He's a a Democrat in Congress. So this is sort of like Marie Newman running against Danny Lipinski down in the third congressional. It's somebody who's a little to the left. I would say this, Rachel, please vigorously disagree with me, if you will. A lot to the left. Okay, a lot to the left of mainstream Dems. Mm -hmm. So, yo, you progressives out there want to hear somebody uh, who is to the left of a mainstream Dem. Bill Foster is very much a mainstream Dem. Uh, Rachel Ventura is in the studio. All right. Uh, So, first of all, I know a lot of our people go, oh, I want to vote. A lot of our listeners are of the Bernie persuasion. I just have to put that out there, Rachel. Uh, And Elizabeth Warren as well. So we're a lot of lefties listen to us. Uh, and so probably a lot of them want to immediately vote for you because you're of of them, uh, if you will. But we're, you only can vote if you live in the 11th congressional. Where is the 11th congressional?
0: So Joliet, my hometown, it also has some new Lenox and then Manhattan. And it goes up through Romeoville, Brook, Naperville, goes into Aurora. I've got a little bit of North Aurora, Oswego, and a tiny bit of Shorewood and, and Kendall County, uh, the Joliet Park.
1: Yeah, so this is a completely uh, gerrymandered district. I, when you say it, it reminds me, I have Neil Muhammad comes on the show a lot. He ran in the 16th Congressional District. And a lot of these towns are in his old district. <laughs> Sarah Dady's old district as well. Lauren Underwood, some of these towns are in her district. Yeah,
0: and those all border, Marie Newman's, uh, or the third borders, yeah. Robin Evans' borders on the New Lenox side. Yeah, we got a lot, of, and Sean Casson on the sixth. Yep, they all uh, borders.
1: And uh, so what, This is, uh, right now, it's Bill Foster. He won. He got about 60% of the vote in the last election. Uh, So this is a democratic country.
0: Oh, yeah. So D plus nine for sure. Um, So one of the things that we've noticed, though, knocking doors is he's a 10 year incumbent and people don't know who he is or they know very little about him. They'll say something like, oh, isn't he the scientist? And um, so someone with a science background now, uh, you know, I walked doors for him when I ran on my county board race because I made the assumption like everybody else. He's a Democrat. He's a scientist. He's out there fighting for us. What kind of got me into the race was going to him in February to ask him to sign on to the Medicare for All bill, thinking, of course, he's a Democrat. He's going to get on board with this. But as we all know, there's shades of of blue when it comes to Democrats and a couple of months of run around. He basically said, no, he wasn't going to support it. And he doubled down on ACA, even though 29 million Americans are uninsured, 40 million Americans are underinsured. And the number one reason for bankruptcy in this country is health care So, you know, we put that to him. What are your answers to this? Well, he didn't have an answer. Um, he canceled our, our meeting, our second meeting, saying that he could only meet with constituents once per year per issue. And he had already met with us on this. So we needed to wait a year. So we rallied his offices with our revolution and uh, that's when he told he was going to basically double down and uh, look at possibly having a public option but you know you don't make your negotiation from the middle right you've got to go Far out, and then maybe, you know, with Obama, I think if they would have done that, then we would have had the pop- public option now. But they started there, and then that's what gets cut. But the reality is, a public option won't work at this point. It's got, it'll have a stigma, it'll be poorly run. Insurances will make sure. We saw that with Obamacare, is that when they set those minimum rates of what you had to pay for your tax fine, then insurance companies knew that they could set that for at least their premiums, because uh, you had to pay it one way or the other. And that's one of the things that insurance looks at. I mean, they have actuaries who are running running those data and say where is the most efficient pricing on this what are the doctors and hospitals charging what are we willing to have in network or out of network i mean they really not, not only do they control your healthcare what like, what you're getting they they determine where your care is, even though doctors and nurses should be the ones who are determining that they're cutting that out and saying, no, we don't think that's an elective, you know, operation. Um, but they're also dictating, you know, where your care is at. So closing hospitals down because they decide something's not going to be a network or out of network. And then you might have to drive two hours. Um, if you're in rural areas, if you're having a heart attack, well, that could be your life right Mm -hmm. there. So there's a lot of things that insurance is doing just for the sake of money. And we see it all, all the time, you know, with, um, Everyday people saying, well, my insurance costs are going up constantly. And so what we really need to do is control those costs. And that's one of the things that TRICARE does. The government sets those payable, allow, allowable amounts. And when Medicare first came out, that's how they did it too. But then Congress has rolled back regulations, and now we've got this gap insurance, and we have supplemental insurance, and all of that has to go away. So the bill is called uh, Improved and Expanded Medicare for All. So improving it is taking away that pr- that for-profit aspect of it. And then expanding it is having mental health care. eye, hearing, you know, things that dental, you know, all of these things are a part of our health. So why are we cutting them out and, and having separate insurances?
1: Well? All right. Since you uh, took the the road into uh, the health care issue, I'll follow it, but we'll come back to uh, uh, a little bit about your history in the area. In uh, the offices you've served and run for. But let's talk about this. Uh, we've spent a lot of time on this show discussing the debates, the presidential debates, the Democratic debates, and uh, in almost every single debate uh bernie and elizabeth warren will talk about medicare for all or whatever they call it i don't know if elizabeth warren calls it medicare for all but essentially it's the same thing uh a single payer plan where everybody is covered everybody has to be covered and immediately i can name the candidates amy klobuchar pete Buttigieg, uh, michael bennett for a while he was on the stage he was the senator from. Uh, uh, Colorado he's no longer on the stage but he's still running I think. Uh, am I forgetting any other of the moderate persuasions who have immediately stood up role? Oh Joe get- Joe Biden how can I forget right. Joe Biden uh, has said this is unrealistic uh, that uh, more to the point it will uh, lead to Donald John Trump's reelection because all these people in Michigan and Wisconsin, will be uh, outraged that they have to give up uh, their... Private insurance that they love. They love their private insurance, Rachel Ventura, and uh, and a lot of those were fought for by unions. Okay, I've heard this. What was the old boy's name from the congressman? Uh, Tim Ryan was the one saying this yeah. for a while uh, out of Ohio. Oh, don't call him boy. Oh, I'm sorry. So, the young man from Ohio. So
0: uh, <laughs> yeah, I got three points to that. Go ahead. The first is Bernie said it best. Nobody loves their insurance company. They love having care, right? Uh, the second thing I would say is how much money did those candidates take. I mean, Bill Foster's taken $600,000 from pharmaceutical and insurance and, you know, Big Pharma pays a lot of money to these other candidates. So do they really care about the healthcare or do they care about their campaign contributions? And the third point to the unions is, you know, we had a Medicare for All rally with Robert Evans in the uh, in New Linux and we had people come out and speak and including labor and one of the man, men who came out talked about how he pays 28% of his salary for his healthcare. So one of those labor guys want to negotiate their increases or step increases and not the cost of insurance. The other aspect about that is, you know, they're sacrificing some of their money to have these, um, you know, great insurance. But then at the end of the day, if you still have to pay premiums and deductibles, you don't, you can't control that cost. And so you're paying even more money. That's how he got to the fact that he was paying 28% of his salary. And so I I really think that this is when people start to understand the dollars and cents here, they'll start to understand that they can have better care, adequate care, care, you know, uh, however they feel that's best. But at the end of the day, the government will be able to set those prices so that you're not getting gouged, you know, and then labor can then go back to negotiating things like their pensions, their pay, You know, I think a lot of people want those dollars on their paycheck.
1: Do you think there's a fear uh, that Amy Klobuchar and uh, the other moderates are correct, that there's a fear that voters have that they'll be losing something for an unknown? Uh, and so they would reject what your proposals or your ideas just out of fear?
0: Yeah, there's definitely a fear. Anytime there's change, people have that, that knee-jerk reaction of, well, what am I going to lose? You know, that fear what does change bring? And sometimes change doesn't always bring good. But in this case, I do think that it would bring good. I mean, one, because I said we, we're already doing it in this country. You can already go see a private doctor and have it paid for by the government with caps and put, put in place and not pay an out-of-pocket cost. So if we're doing it for millions of Americans, there's no reason we can't do it across the and really what it comes down to is we need to get rid of this for-profit system and have healthcare. What we have is insurance right now. And in, the way insurance works is you're betting against something happening. Well, with health, you're always going to have an issue at some point. Um, and so instead of having you know, this bet, and a lot of people don't go to the doctors even when they have uh, insurance because they don't want to pay those additional costs. And then that, that creates the possibility of having long-term problems. So.
1: And uh, are you confident that uh, that this is a winning issue for Democrats?
0: Yeah, I think so. I mean, if you look at 70% of Americans want this, this is a nonpartisan issue. Health care is a human right. So, you know, you look at some of these areas like in Kentucky and they're talking about this is the issue for them when most people in the town, you know, the town of White Hat I think it was recently, um, they did some interviews there. That's their issue is people in the town don't have health care you know, it's a lot of money. And so getting honey back to the race, uh, you know, Bill Foster is bought and paid for, not just by the insurance companies, but by the banks. He sits on financial services and is taking $1.4 million from corporate banks and hedge fund managers. You know, he's taking money from other entities where, you know, I'm not taking corporate PAC dollars. And one of the things that launched me into this race, not just the Medicare for all, that's what started it off, but it was in June when we went to him about passing the Green New Deal. And as a scientist, we expected, oh, absolutely, he should be leading the charge on this. And he said that the Green New Deal was not practical. And instead, what he's supporting is the, a fossil fuel bailout. It's called the usit Act. He belongs to the New Dems Coalition, and their coalition put out um, a bunch of bills and resolutions. And one of them supports... Our fossil fuels, creating infrastructure with our tax dollars to collect carbon and inject it back into the ground with water, not unlike fracking to push oil to the surface, in a process called enhanced oil recovery, and this will allow oil to be cheaper for fossil fuels so that they can actually continue to make money on it. On top of that, it doesn't it, I mean, the carbon keeps going into the air? Some scientists have said it will produce more carbon into the air, and it doesn't get us into a solution. Mm-hmm. So instead, you know, I'm supporting the Green New Deal because that's a not only will it use our taxpayer dollars to get us off of fossil fuels, onto renewable energy, but it does two other things. It makes homeowners save money by creating uh, subsidies so that their house can be more efficient. Um, and then the other thing is it's a $16 trillion job package that will put Americans back to work. So, you know, people didn't ask themselves, do they want, Their taxpayer dollars to go to fossil fuels so they can continue to make money off of that, um, off of us? Or do they want those dollars going back into their pockets, going back into Americans who are working hard that will then create more businesses on Main Street and really fix our economy?
1: And what do you say to uh, the Amy Klobuchar's of the world? I'm just picking on her because her voice, I can hear her voice. (laughs) I've seen so many of these debates, okay? They go again, unrealistic. Rachel Ventura, where are you going to find the money? Rachel Ventura, oh, a job for everyone, Rachel Ventura. I've heard these arguments now. That's just like yeah, so the debates.
0: great thing is we've done this before, right? FDR had the New Deal. That's why the Green New Deal is called what it is. Um, you know, we have the money. We have the solutions. We need the political will. And when you put money back into America, what we saw is in the 1950s and 60s is that we had the strongest economy. People had good paying jobs. They had pensions. They had health care. So these are things that every American wants. This isn't a right or left issue. It's an economic package that will help us out. So again, you know, Bill Foster takes money from Exxon Mobil and the fossil fuel industries. And, you know, I'm taking money from everyday voters because I'm listening to their issues and their concerns.
1: All right. Now let's talk about everyday voters. and Let's talk about the practical concerns of trying to uh, beat a well-known, well-funded, highly regarded in in Dem circles, uh, congressman incumbent like Bill Foster. Number one, uh, you're going to be up against the power, uh, the heart of the Democratic Party, Nancy Pelosi. I'm sure is already endorsed Foster, if she or is going to very shortly. I don't
0: know about that. Bill Foster ran for her seat.
1: Whoa! Oh, get the bong out! <laughs> <laughs> but doesn't Nancy Pelosi, as a routine, you caught me off guard there with that one. Uh, it is true. Uh, uh, Rachel Ventura, that the opposition to Nancy Pelosi, and, and that's a good point that you're making, you can go further on it, came from people like Foster and uh, uh, Tim Ryan of of Ohio, who I'm not allowed to go old boy, because uh, I remembered his name, uh, but uh, he was one, and, and young Daniel Lipinski from the third congressional. It was, this is the part that I do get, I thank you for pointing that out, uh, the irony of so many of my friends of the Dem centrist persuasion, are always saying, uh, why can't you be more like Nancy Pelosi? And the reality, it was, the right-wing Dems were the ones that were challenged her. Yeah. So you think Nancy Pelosi may support you?
0: You know, I don't know who Nancy is going to support. I think she's got some of her own problems right now with the, the impeachment hearings and whatnot. But what I do know is that people were pissed off with that for sure, especially women. You know, here once again, a, a woman has worked hard to get to the top of you know her field or whatnot, and then we see a man come in and, and try to push him down. Um, and women need some wins, some political wins here. I, I do believe that, and we saw it in Will County when I ran in the county. There that the women took majority. Not only the Democrats take majority, but women now have majority on the Will County Board, which is the first time that's ever happened.
1: All right, let's talk a little bit about your uh, background. That this is you're not a rookie. This is I mean you are, This is your first congressional run, but you've run for other offices. Talk about that.
0: Yeah. So in two thousand. Um, Sorry, 2016. When I came back, I ran for Jill, Juliet City Council, and that was my first. When look you at, came
1: back from I prefer, uh, yeah. Seattle. I was Seattle, moved, I was living it. in the mm-hmm. Seattle
0: area. Mm-hmm. Moved back uh, and ran for a city race. So that election was 2017. And you know, I learned a lot about Illinois politics at the time uh, about corruption. Let's just be honest about it, about who runs what. And uh, you know, I got out there and knocked doors. I knocked six thousand doors, and I had a great showing. I did not win that race, but I turned around and uh, because I did such a good job. I said, well, let's flip one of these Republican seats in the county board then. And I went to the county, and I, or I went to the Democrats, and I said, I want you guys to support me. And they said, well, we've already picked out our candidate for that. And I said, well, what do you mean by that? Don't the voters decide? And, uh, and they were discouraging me from running. They said, oh, no, 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 you know, this person has done their time. And I said, well, tell me why they're a better candidate. Maybe I can get behind them. Well, it wasn't about that. It wasn't about the issues. It was the fact that they owed a favor, and this is who they wanted to have run. So I said, well, I'm going to run anyway. (laughs) And so I already pissed off the party. And then uh, I was the top vote getter in the primary for a two-seat spot. And so I went to the other dim uh, and said, hey, let's work together. And he said he couldn't because of the... Uh, labor uh, costs, uh, um, contributions that he had taken. And uh, there was an issue down there about warehouses. And, you know, I'm pro labor, but I'm also solidarity. Right. And if someone's down there trying to unionize, I believe that we should stand behind them. And so it was some some tip there. And uh, so the other Democrat wouldn't run with me. And I ended up beating him by 11 percentage points. And I was outspent three to one.
1: And so that's how you, you, you made it to the board.
0: Yeah, I walked 10,000 doors with my team and we listened to the people. And we the message we had was no strings attached and a government that works for everyone.
1: And was this in a Democratic primary that you were victorious?
0: So I was a top vote getter in the Democratic primary. And then I won the seat against uh, 11% against uh, the Dem and 8% against the Republican. So
1: you've beaten Republicans in areas that have shown popular support for Donald Trump?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because, uh, you know, when you talk about Donald Trump to the Republicans, everyone's really quiet. Nobody wants to admit <laughs> that they're in support of uh, Donald Trump. I think because they know. I mean, people are fed up in the area and, and they and, don't.
1: Well, wait, in your neck of the woods, are quiet. I see rallies in Alabama, Mississippi, yeah. and they're not quiet at all. They're... Yeah,
0: but I, again, I'm in a, uh, you know, heavily Democratic area, you know, and I think that's uh, when we talk about this race, this is this could be one in the primaries. I mean, you have to go on and fight it. There was some Republicans who filed. But really, at the end of the day, this is going to happen this spring. You know what? What do the Democrats want in my district? Do they want a politician who's bought and paid for or do they want someone who's going to be a voice of the people? Do they want the same old, same old or do they want bold change so that we can actually get a government that does work for everyone?
1: And uh, uh, what who won your district uh, Bernie 20- Sanders won by 52%. One more time, uh, Rachel Ventura. Who won your district? Bernie
0: uh, Sanders um, by 52%. That's
1: correct. <laughs> uh, that's, I always like to send that message out to her. Like I said, uh, my show, basically, uh, Rachel, is everybody. Joe Biden's on the right uh, of guests I usually have on my show. And uh, Bernie Sanders people, not for Bernie, but like supporters of his are sort of the left. Actually, I get Green Party people. I go, I break the barrier and go, really, way. Out there sometimes. Uh, so it's, I, I always like to point out to Dems that, uh, all right, now what about uh, the Democratic uh, Congressional Committee or Congressional? Uh, they are coming down hard on consultants. Uh, who dare to support people like you are working against incumbents? Uh, so your campaign aide, uh, who's sitting here in the room, John, will probably be a lightning bolt will come down and uh, 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 just zap him uh, for having uh, the audacity to wear a Rachel Vender uh, t shirt and support you. Uh, so, what's your position on that?
0: Well, two things I want to say. First, is most of our team has been built by people who weren't in those consultant positions to begin with. They're volunteers or people who want to see a change. Now, John ran against Bill Bill Foster back in 2008 uh, and and almost won that seat, so... Um, you know, I think he wants to see change here, too. Uh, but also, uh, you know, we weren't going to those guys to begin with. However, there has been some issues that the DCCC has caused, and that's things like I can't get access to the voter files, so I had to go buy access elsewhere. You know, maybe the files aren't as good, but more importantly, it costs a heck of a lot more money. You want to talk about someone who's going to profit off of it. <laughs> They're going to be, oh, well, you, you have to come to us, so now we're going to charge you a bunch more money. So then that really hurts the, the fact that, you know, we're trying to run this even race. Well, it's not even, you know, from someone who's, I'm not taking corporate PAC dollars. I have to spend more money. I can't get good phone numbers. I got to go find someone to spend money on that too. When the party has access to all that. And I'm born and raised Democrat, never been anything but a Democrat. So why is it that I can't have access to the same things that he has access to? It's an unfair system. And these are some of the problems we have in America is we create these inequalities. And at the end of the day, people want things to be fair. I mean, a toddler could tell you that.
1: Well, this is a repeat of what went down in 2016. You know, this is this is Bernie versus Hillary all over again. It's not fair. I mean, have I heard that once? I heard it a million times for Bernie supporters. Yep. And uh, we seem to we being the Democrats, my beloved Democratic Party, uh, seems determined to make the same mistake over and over again. Uh, all right, your position uh, in the Democratic uh, run for president. Uh, I know in 2016 you were for Bernie Sanders. What's your situation now?
0: So we are, pro- the campaign is officially supporting a progressive candidate for the white house. And part of that comes from the fact that I have a lot of volunteers who are progressive and some of them are Warren and some of them are Bernie. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, we need a Congress that's going to support the progressive agenda. And so officially those are the two candidates that i'm endorsing for the race um and i'll let them duke it out
1: yeah so you're gonna you want all the warren people to vote for you and all the sanders people to vote for vote vote for you so you're not going to do something as foolish as piss off one group or another by supporting a different candidate is that correct that's correct all right Uh, rachel ventura is not her first run for office ladies and gentlemen she's uh, mastered the game of politics uh rachel ventura is running for congress in the 11th congressional district she's running as a Democrat against incumbent bill foster we'll be right back after this
0: it's the butter cow which has nine hearts to represent the nine essential nutrients in milk that's right it's made entirely out of butter and you know it's a state fair tradition since at least 1922.
2: The Ben Jaromsky Show is supported by Northwestern University's part-time master's program in literature and liberal studies. Students learn from dynamic and diverse faculty as they build advanced skills for critical analysis, writing, and research. Evening classes are held on Northwestern's Evanston and Chicago campuses. The spring quarter application deadline is January 15th. Learn more at sps.northwestern.edu slash masters. It's Chicagoland's Adult Entertainment Playground. It's the world-famous Admiral Theater, 3940 West Lawrence Avenue. The Admiral is homegrown from Chicago, and it's the most conveniently located club in all of the city. 15 minutes from the O'Hare Airport in downtown Chicago Loop. Voted Chicago's best strip club, the Admiral has showgirls galore and a variety of adult entertainment shows. The world-famous Admiral Theater, open every day from 7 p.m. to 6 a.m., 3940 West Lawrence Avenue. For events, showtime, and other information, visit admiralx.com. Must be 18 years of of age or older to enter commercial break over welcome back to the ben jarofsky show live from the chicago sun times mr jarofsky take us home rachel
1: ventura in the studio 11th congressional district she's a candidate in the democratic primary against incumbent bill foster we've got about a few more minutes of uh interview with rachel before we do that d an update
2: absolutely we do uh we have some eddie gate updates Ooh. oh wow, we're here talking to rachel oh, that's right it's our uh it's our story of the day here and it's our uh Eddie Gate question of the day on Facebook Live. Should the now former Chicago Police Superintendent Eddie Johnson have been fired? We'll be reading the the poll results before we get out of here. But let's talk about these updates. First, the following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times. Fired Chicago Police Department Superintendent Eddie Johnson on Tuesday put out a statement insisting that he did not intentionally mislead or deceive Mayor Lightfoot about the circumstances surrounding an incident in mid-October. When he was found slumped behind the wheel of a vehicle near his Bridgeport home. Here's a statement from the letter. One thing I want everyone to know is this. By the way, this is Eddie Johnson, not Dennis, all right? (laughs) One thing I want everyone to know is this. I did not intentionally mislead or deceive the mayor or the people of Chicago. I acknowledge that I made a poor decision and had a lapse of judgment on the night of October 16th. That was a mistake. And I know that. However, I have no interest in fighting a battle for my reputation with those that want to question it now. Reputations are not built in a day and not damaged in a day either. They are the result of years of living. We reap what we sow in this world. I will simply rely on the reputation for integrity that I think I have earned during my long career with the faith that we should all be judged by the entirety of our lives and not on what happened on our worst days Mm, Okay, amen to that Uh, that last line (laughs) i'm speaking just for my own personal life ladies and gentlemen so we've heard from eddie johnson we've heard from chicago mayor lori lightfoot but what about the interim? Yeah, the guy who is currently holding the position as Chicago Police Superintendent. But briefly, he says uh, once they find a new person, this feller will be gone. His name is Mr. Beck. That's right. Last name is uh, Charlie Beck. Charlie Beck is his name. Uh, Charlie Beck says, "Quote on uh, Eddie Johnson: None of us are perfect." That was how. Uh, Charlie <laughs> Boy, the bar is low with Chicago
1: police. None of us. I wasn't seeking perfection, you know? I just like, maybe that
2: drunk driving from the head of the police department. I don't
1: know. <laughs> Silly me! You know? And glass half full of oh, the Beck yeah. household. He says, I'll say
2: this. None of us are perfect. Okay. Everybody makes mistakes. That's true. But we have to live with that. We have to live with our errors. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm. Uh, let's see here. I'm still the superintendent's friend or well, the former superintendent's friend. Oh, I'm sure he doesn't think that way. We're still buddies, but, you know, all of us have to be accountable and I know that he knows that and now anybody in CPD who thought that wasn't true they know it too. Okay. All right. Boy, things have changed. If you remember, Eddie Johnson
1: got the job because they didn't follow the rules. The rules said that you had to pick, the mayor had to select one of three candidates that the police board chose. Eddie Johnson was not one of those three candidates. But now everything's changed. Okay, D, stop being so cynical. It's reform
2: in the city of Chicago. All right, D, get it right. So with that, I'll ask one more time. It's our Facebook live poll question. Should Eddie Johnson have been fired yesterday? Your choice yes, no, not enough information. And before we end the show, we will find the results. All right,
1: we will find, Before I go, uh, I'll kick it back to Rachel Ventura to talk about issues in her campaign and not drag her into this one. Because the <laughs> last thing she wants to do is get in the middle of this. But I will say this. The interesting choice of words in that statement uh, from Eddie Johnson. I did not intentionally mislead or deceive. Intentionally. I may have unintentionally misled or or deceived, but it wasn't on my intention to do that, D. Got that? There's a difference. It sounds like he had his lawyer drafting that statement anyway. uh, But, you know, D, as we always, as J.B. Pritzker likes to say, I am not a perfect person, all right? Uh, I heard so, that. Yeah, we've heard that one too. All right, we'll uh, uh, get uh, we'll get those uh, the responses to the questions. Should he uh, should he been fired in a little while? Rachel Ventura, uh, closing thoughts.
0: Well, we have a climate strike coming up on Friday, downtown Joliet, 2 o'clock. We're rallying for the Green New Deal. And at 3 o'clock, we are w- marching over to City Hall to tell them that we don't want a warehouse uh, entity of 2,200 acres called North Point. This would provide low-paying jobs, more pollution, more tra- 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 truck traffic. And we've already given a lot of tax abatements to warehouses in our district. And what we need is better-paying jobs um, and better, better protections of our climate and our planet.
1: All right. And uh, folks want to learn more about your campaign? How can they find out about it?
0: ElectVentura.com. We're also on all the social media networks under ElectVentura. So check us out and uh, send some dollars our way.
1: I, I, and I didn't ask this question, and shame on me for not asking this question. I do not know the intricacies of election law that govern access to the ballot in the 11th Congressional District. Uh, I'm. I know about how the game is played here in the city of Chicago, Rachel. So, uh, how many ba- how many signatures did you need? How many signatures did you gather? Uh, and are there lawyers as we speak from the Democratic Party circling your petitions uh, to look for signatures they can strike so they could beat you the easy way by knocking you off the ballot?
0: Yeah, we needed 850 signatures. We got 4,700 which is more than twice that of Bill Foster. Um, we did that because we didn't want lawyers to try to even attempt to kick us off the ballot. And we spent 20 hours in the cold in line in Springfield with my two girls uh, to be the first Democrats in line. We were the second in line behind a, a judge, a Republican judge.
1: Uh, so have, have uh, is there any indications that they're looking at your ballot you know this is michael madigan's i'm sure michael Madigan's supporting bill foster uh is there any indications yet that they've are looking at your petitions
0: we know that two republican lawyers pulled uh, access to them republican um, lawyers there's two republicans who are are running in the 11th as well so we don't have uh, indication that bill foster has, has why would
1: the republicans be looking at your petitions
0: why indeed maybe they think i'm the, the winner
1: Maybe the Republicans think that uh, you're a more formidable opponent than Bill Foster. Well, this will be a test. and We'll be watching this race a lot, uh, probably bringing you back to the show. Invite Bill Foster as well. This will really be a test of voters outside of Chicago for lack of a better symbol, Bernie versus Hillary. Absolutely. And this will be an interesting test. Which direction for the Democratic Party? Uh, By the way, are you ready to say right now on this show that no matter who the Democrats nominate uh, as their candidate, you will support them? him or her
0: well we've got a lot of questions for Bill Foster but we're gonna win this race I'm so. talking
1: about for president uh, against again, Donald John Trump uh,
0: again I mean we need to really look hard at at this primary and say we need to go with a progressive we need to go with someone who's gonna represent the people at the end of the day that's what's gonna matter is when people feel represented otherwise they're gonna keep feeling like the system is broken and against them and what's the part, point of fighting for a broken system
1: All right, Uh, I I know I'll be discussing this point with Rachel Ventura uh, as she comes back to the show uh, in the future. Rachel, thank you very much for stopping by. I really appreciate it. Rachel, one more time, the uh, website?
0: ElectVentura.com.
1: And Ventura is V-E-N-T-U-R-A. All
2: right, before we head out, do you got some updates for us? We got our results. All right, the results are in. It's today's Facebook Live question. Thank you to everybody who weighed in. The question, once again, should Eddie Johnson have been fired yesterday. Ben, what was your answer on that, by the way? I think my answer was habada habada. Ah, mine too. (laughs) Interesting. I
1: I, I don't... Okay, my answer was, based on the evidence, there was no evidence. So,
2: how can you fire a guy without evidence. So, So once again, Ben's answer, (laughs) how can you find a guy without evidence? Yeah, that kind of sums it up. Awesome. All right. Let's look at I'm trying to kill time here to make sure. Okay, the results are in. All right. In at zero percent. (laughs) No. Nobody said no. Well, I kind of said no. (laughs) No, yours once again was (laughs) (laughs) whatever that was. All right. So, no, zero. All right. All right. In at... 57%. 57%. Ooh. Not enough information. They, well, that's kind of what I said.
1: Well, okay. <laughs> Leaving. Wait, time out. If there's not enough information, that means no. If if you can't, if you don't have the information to ascertain as to whether he should have been fired, then the answer is you can't fire him. Oh, so you got a problem with our own Facebook poll, huh? <laughs> Just saying. And leave box. it up to Zuckerberg,
2: pal. <laughs> All right. And leaving 43% at yes. All right. So
1: 57% need more information all right very good i'm with that 57 percent and need more information how about that d all right all right i want to thank rachel ventura uh outstanding job as she again is running for congress in the 11th congressional district maya dumak dumak for i can't even say it <laughs> anymore uh and uh she will be my partner crime at the hideout in about three hours uh 1354 west Wabansia. we'll be talking affordable housing It'll be a great show. And, of course, the man, the myth, the legend, the pride and joy of Alton, Illinois, Rachel Ventura. You may not know this, but back home in his native Alton, they call him White Lightning. Dr. D, give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. Nobody calls See me See you tomorrow, everybody. <laughs>
2: Hey, and remember, you can download previous Ben Jarofsky shows and Benny J bonus interviews at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites, chicago.suntimes.com, chicagoreader.com, and wherever else you download podcasts. Downloaders, we live stream this program all this week. We're going to be on Facebook Live at Benny J Show. It's a fantastic time. You can join the live stream chat room and you can weigh in on our daily poll question. You're not exciting that our uh, last poll question was right. Who knows what tomorrow will be at Benny J Show. B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show. We'll see you tomorrow. One,
1: two, three, four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.